Welcome to the Think Like a CFO podcast, where we dig into not only what it takes to start a business, but to keep your business thriving for years to come using my signature CFO money method framework. I'm your host, Melissa Houston, and I am a CPA and business financial coach. I have over 20 years of experience in business, and it is my passion to share my knowledge of business finance and personal finance with other women. You can also follow me with my column at Forbes.com or my column with Entrepreneur.com. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Think Like a CFO podcast. You're with Melissa Houston. I am so happy to be sharing this time with you today. Today is a solo episode where we will be talking about what makes you rich. And I'm going to give you a little hint. This is not about your salary. So first, I'd like to explore a little bit about what wealth is. So wealth has different meanings for different people. So what I decided to do was I Googled this. I Googled what is wealth and what popped up was a little varied and it surprised me a little bit. It wasn't quite what I was expecting. The first thing that came up was the dictionary definition. According to the dictionary, wealth is an abundance of valuable possessions or money. And then there were a couple of other things that popped up where the simple difference between a rich person and a wealthy person is that a wealthy person has sustainable wealth. In other words, a wealthy person will always be wealthy, whereas someone who is merely rich will only be so for a short period of time until the money is gone. Wealthy people know how to make money. I thought that was interesting because they're deciphering the difference between being rich and being wealthy. Wealth can also be defined as the ability to survive a certain of number of days forward. This definition was made famous by the financial guru, Robert Kiyosaki, the author who wrote the best-selling book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. To be honest, I scrolled down through many pages, and basically everything that was coming at me was talking about the value of money. And this kind of surprised me because I really thought before I Googled this that I would get a good mix of the money talk, but I would also hear the talk of holding wealth in terms of gratitude, spirituality, and love. You know, wealth can lie in the relationships we hold, the values that we have, and our general overall happiness. But I really didn't see that. And I I mean, I scrolled down about five pages and gave up. So maybe it's buried deep in there somewhere in the internet. But I didn't have the time. I just wanted to pull out what was the most popular. What I do want to put out there is that I believe in non-monetary wealth as well, because I find you can be wealthy with so many things, and it doesn't have to be necessarily monetary And I have encountered so many people who lack that wealth of happiness. And I just want to put it out there that I feel rich in gratitude for the life that I have. I build strong relationships with people I love strongly, and I am fiercely loyal to my family and friends. I appreciate all the good things that I've been blessed with, and even the hard challenges that I have faced. I also feel wealthier in the sense that I have had hard challenges to face because through those deep, dark moments, and trust me, there have been many, that's where I found my true story. Like that that's my truth. That's where I've come from. That's where I've learned from. And those are the best experiences that make us grow. However, this episode, because 
this podcast is primarily a money talk podcast. This episode, we will be talking about wealth in terms of dollars, mostly because I want to help people understand how to measure their wealth correctly in terms of dollars. Wealth is not just the salary that you're making or the things that you can buy with that money. So I want to put it out there that it's entirely possible to be wealthy in things that matter more or are higher than ourselves in terms of money. And I do really appreciate that. And I just want people to be aware that if you're not feeling wealthy in those areas, perhaps that's another area where you should explore. I've mentioned it before and I'll mention it again. If you're an asshole when you're poor, you're going to be an asshole when you're rich too, unless you do that inner spiritual work. If you're content being an asshole, good for you. But if you want to be a good person and you always want to strive, and some people are very afraid that if they gain wealth in the monetary form, that it will turn them into a jerk. All I can say to that is that is completely incorrect. Because if you're in touch with who you are, and you know that you want to be a person of value, or who has values and believes in people and helps people and believes in relationships and you love fiercely, that's not going to change whether you have $100 in your pocket or a million dollars. You're going to be grounded with those values. Money does not change people. It can enhance who we are. Like maybe the asshole with $100 in his pocket might be a supercharged asshole with a million dollars in his pocket. But essentially, he or she would be the same person. So I'm going to continue with the money talk. And so many people think that the money is about the money that they're making, the salary that they're bringing in. So let's consider this. When you get a raise, you're working and you know, you're working hard, you get acknowledged for the work that you're doing and the company decides to give you a nice big raise. And we're going to take a $10,000 salary bump as an example. And that's a really nice salary bump and almost unheard of these days. But for illustrative purposes, $10,000 is an easy number to work with, especially if you're, you're driving or whatever while you're listening to this podcast. It's just I don't want to overcomplicate things. So with that $10,000 salary bump, this is before taxes. Canada has a higher rate of taxes than the U.S. from what I understand for payroll taxes. So we're just going to assume a rate of 30% tax on your salary. So your tax rate is going to depend on where you live and where you landed before your salary increase. So where you landed in your on your tax grid. So you need to keep that in mind. So I'm just using a random 30%, but it doesn't mean that everybody would, would use 30% tax rate. Okay, so 30% of $10,000 is $3,000. And so that $3,000 of that salary bump will go to taxes. So your after-tax amount of, of that raise will be $7,000. Now take that $7,000 and divide it over the typical 26 pay periods that you have in a year. That amount comes to $269 per pay. That's nothing to sneeze at. But let's say that you're super happy about this salary increase, especially the day that you found out that you were getting it. You feel extremely validated and you feel the need to celebrate. So you decide to take your family out for a nice meal. And this nice meal ends up costing $500. Then you decide to buy yourself something special to celebrate Celebrate because you worked so hard. So you buy yourself about $1,000 worth of gifts. You went on a shopping spree and you saw some clothes and some shoes and it all added up to about $1,000. 
And now that you're making more money, you've decided to upgrade your car, which is now adding an extra $100 to your car payments bi-weekly. So with just these changes, and you know, that's just three changes. You had a dinner, you bought yourself some fancy clothes for $1,000, and then you upgraded your car. You were already paying car payments. So this is an extra $200 for the car payments per month because it's $100 for your car payments bi-weekly. So let's take a look at what that salary increase means to you now. So you've spent $1,500 on celebrations and added an extra $100 per car payment, which is bi-weekly for three years, which adds up to be $2,600. But for the three years, it's at, it adds up to be $7,800. So for that first year, you're, you've already spent $2,600 to upgrade your car. So you've spent $9,300 in total for a $7,000 salary bump. Do you think you're further ahead? Not really. This is called lifestyle inflation too, because what tends to happen is when we make more money, we spend more money. So lifestyle inflation is a trap, and we will talk about that further. So quite often, people don't think of their salary increase this way. It's so easy to blow a raise and end up right back where you started, like nothing ever happened, and it's so frustrating. Because maybe you haven't even taken the time to calculate how much you've blown on that raise so far. So in your head, you're thinking, well, my salary has increased. Every pay, I'm going to get that extra $269. But you didn't realize that you actually already kind of blew it. So that's why I chose to talk about this subject this week, to help bring awareness to the importance of money management, whether it's in your personal finances or your business finances or both. Money management is the key to building your wealth. Earning a great salary is fantastic. I am not sneezing at great salaries. I love bringing in the money. But if you're spending it away, then it's not going to help your financial position. Many professionals are doing just that and are becoming increasingly indebted. So debt.org stated that, and I quote, the more educated you are, the more debt you have. That's because higher education leads to higher income and higher income leads to higher spending, end quote. As you can see, a higher level of income does not dictate wealth. But the good news is, it's in how you manage your money that's going to build your wealth. So the way to measure your wealth is by calculating your personal net worth. Here is the formula to calculate your personal net worth. Personal net worth equals your total assets minus your total debt. So if you took all your total assets, which is all in, in what we own, Okay, so you could have a house, you could have furniture, you have your car, you could have, I don't know, maybe a cottage, a boat, a vacation property, whatever, depending on, you know, how you've distributed your assets. Not everybody needs a vacation home, so that's neither here nor there. It's just, you know, listing your assets. And that's what you own. And then what you owe is any money that you're indebted to. So if you have a mortgage on your house, if you have a mortgage on your car, if you have car payments, if you have bank loans, lines of credits, credit card balances, anything that you owe anybody else, whether it be a company, a relative, a friend, whatever, those are your liabilities. That's your total debt. So again, your total assets 
less your total debt equals your total net worth. Too often, people get caught up with the showmanship of wealth, meaning they look at the material things that they believe a wealthy person should have, such as a big house, a flashy car, and all the latest gadgets. But if you don't own these items and you have purchased them on borrowed money, it does not increase your net worth. And just for the record, I am one of those people that love shiny things. I would love to buy myself a beautiful luxury car that has a price tag of anywhere of $100,000 or higher. I would love to have a black Mercedes SUV. I'd take a Porsche if I could afford it. But my realistic goal is a Mercedes. And if I walked into a showroom today, any salesperson that I encountered would tell me that I could afford it. I could go into a dealership and get approved for financing. And honestly, I really would love to do that. I swear I would really love to do that. But common sense gets in the way right now. Common sense and self-control. Okay, so you see, I am on a wealth building mission. I have promised myself and my husband that once I am completely debt free and our kids are done with post-secondary schooling and living on their own, if I still want a luxury vehicle, that's when it will be my time to get one. Okay, but right now I'm too busy getting my money to work for me rather than going into debt for a car that's going to depreciate. For the record, I still do love these luxury SUVs. I'm human. I want one so bad. It feels like a need. And if it weren't for my husband and the promise that we've made together about building our financial future, I really would have purchased one already. Okay, so I'm human. These are the struggles I deal with. I mean, they sound like first world problems. I mean, I'm not completely that shallow and self-centered, but I'm trying to demonstrate a point that, you know, we do get sucked into these material obsessions and we just feel like, I know I feel that I, I don't know, I would look so much better driving an SUV and I would feel so good. But the reality of it is, would it really change anything? Probably not. Okay, so I got to get back on track. The most surprising millionaires are the ones who don't have a lot of flashy purchases and they don't look the part of being wealthy because what they've done is they've invested their money and they've gotten their money to work for them. The millionaires work on building their portfolios. They understand the value of an asset and how liabilities can decrease their net worth. Millionaires like to own assets, not debt. Nobody ever gets rich by being in debt. Carrying debt costs a lot of money. And let me be clear, that luxury car I was talking about earlier, it may be thought of as an asset. However, cars are not good assets in the sense that they do not hold their value for a long time. Within two years, that luxury vehicle that I dream of, it will depreciate and it may be worth half of what I paid for it. So if I paid $100,000, within two years, it will only be worth $50,000. If I wanted to sell it, that's probably what I would get for it. So essentially, half of that investment, and I air quoted that investment part, is basically lost money, $50,000 gone for just driving it for two years. Okay, so back to the debt. So debt is expensive and it costs a lot of money to borrow money. But saving your your money and investing it helps you earn money. And that's how you get your money working for you. Not only are you working, but your money is working for you. When you are working for your money, you are working just to pay off the bills 
and pay off that cost of borrowing. Okay, so quite often I see people who have to pay like a thousand dollars of interest expense to just carry the debt that they they're carrying. Like that's the cost of it. That's not even chipping into the the principal amount that you have to repay. So most people make a thousand dollars in a week. It costs you a week of work, and that week, believe me, it's long. It's hard. Like think about how sometimes your weeks feel like they they're going on forever. It takes one week of work for you to pay that $1,000 of interest expense so that you can carry your debt. It makes no sense. Taking the time to know and understand what your personal net worth means is important for, at the very least, these two reasons. One, you understand your current financial position and what you need to work on in order to improve it. And the second reason would be that your personal net worth is the true value to measure your financial progress of where you are getting out of debt and building wealth. So because measuring your financial worth is important, I'm going to walk you through some motivating factors so that you can consider to start calculating your own personal net worth on a regular basis. The first motivation is calculating your net worth offers you the most accurate picture of your financial health. Personal net worth is how much money is left over for you if you were to sell everything that you had. So you would add up everything that you own, which is known as your assets, and we were we went through this a little earlier. So assets are the the house that you own, the car, the cash that you have in the bank, the investments, and basically anything that you own that holds value for a longer period of time. Then you would take away everything that you own on those assets, such as mortgage, line of credits, credit card debt, or any sort of loan or money that you owe to anyone. And what you are left with is your net worth. And that is what measures how wealthy people are. Net worth tracks your financial progress. So if you're looking at your net worth, if you're calculating on a month by month basis, or maybe a quarterly or annual basis, you're going to watch your progress grow if you're working towards building your wealth. And that can be super motivating for some people. I know I love to do it because I don't know, it just I'm a, I'm a numbers nerd. And seeing how much my hard work is showing up on paper, it just it motivates me. Once you have it set up, you can measure your net worth. And if you're confused about how to measure it, My personal finance course lays it all out for you and provides you with the templates you need to use. So there's always reference. But once you have measured it and you know what your personal net worth is, you can can use this as a measuring stick and calculate it, as I mentioned, monthly, quarterly, annually, biannually, whatever you choose and however you get motivated. And watching that number grow from period to period is very rewarding because you're watching your net worth grow. And that's that's a really good feeling. So the third reason that could motivate you to build your net worth is net worth moves the focus from income to wealth. As we can see, it really isn't about how much you earn, but how you get your money working for you. The best portfolios are ones of the savers not the ones who are constantly spending their money. I swear to you, when I was doing personal taxes and corporate taxes back in the day when I was working for public accounting firms, 
I would see people, you know, clients coming in, dropping off their taxes and stuff and leaving the office and, you know, talking to them, whatever, you know. At the beginning, I was always surprised by the wealthiest of the clients. They were not the super flashy people. You know, they were the the people showing up in modest clothing. They lived in modest houses, but their portfolios were wow. Okay. Like it was impressive. And the people who were barely getting by were the ones driving the expensive cars and very flashy and living in the big houses and stuff. And I'm not suggesting, I mean, this is a struggle that I have. And I have it with my husband too, because my husband tends to be the kind of guy who is totally fine, you know, living in a small house, hoarding his money away and watching it grow. Whereas I like a balance. I like to buy myself expensive things. They you know, it, it to me, I work hard and that's how I want to spend my money. I want to, you know, live in a nice, nicer, bigger house. I want to have a pool. I want to have the cottage. You know, we I want different things, but I want them within reason. Like I want to be able to afford them. And I like to, uh, for the most part, spend my money on assets that are not going to depreciate or not depreciate as quickly. And I'm also a firm believer of enjoying the money that I make. So personally, I believe that my husband is a little off to the left side where he could hoard his money and it would just make him so happy. So we do find a compromise between the two of us. He does enjoy things that I do once I get him to do it. But I don't believe that you have to scrimp and save to become a wealthy person if you're not enjoying that kind of lifestyle. So some like you have to do what works for you. But you also have to be careful not to overextend yourself, put yourself in too much debt. If you can't afford that big house or those nice cars, you can't buy them. It's very simple. Well, it's not simple. I shouldn't say that because it is a struggle for a lot of people. And I can totally understand that. But if you really, really want something that's out of your reach, I also believe that you need to find the means and it's entirely possible. Find the means to make the money so you can afford it instead of going into debt. Okay, so the final tip that I I collected for you to try to increase your motivation to calculate your net worth is net worth helps you keep your debt level in perspective. So when you understand your financial position, you can work at increasing that wealth. Calculating your net worth is simple and straightforward. It's easy to track on a periodic basis, and it is the most important number when measuring the true sense of how wealthy you are. If you calculate your personal net worth and you find your net worth is in the negative, that is a problem. This is your wake-up call. You need to start paying down that debt because the debt is what's causing your negative equity. Okay, so if you own less than what you owe, then it's it's definitely a problem. You want to get that number out of the negative and start building it into the positive. So the smaller that number goes in the negative side, it is a reflection of how much you're building your wealth. So that's a good sign. Just keep getting it up. Keep growing it and getting it over the negative into the positive and start building that wealth. Now, calculate that net worth and make a goal of increasing that number month over month or year over year. Become that wealthy woman that you desire to be. 
If you have enjoyed this episode or any other episode and you have questions or would like me to address a certain question in one of my episodes, please email me at info at melissahoustoncpa.com. I love to get email from people and I love to get questions and I will make sure that I respond to everything either in the show or by email. Please send your questions. Thanks for listening to the Think Like a CFO podcast with Melissa Houston, CPA. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. Until next time, I'm Melissa Houston. And remember, nobody will ever care about your business as much as you do. So never give your financial power away.